This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Emma Kennedy. Welcome to Why, the podcast that explores those tricky conundrums and questions that live in the back of our minds. look around my house will tell you that my decisions are already being gently guided by AI. There's a dough hook I saw on an Instagram advert that popped up after I posted a picture of a rather fine homemade sourdough. There's the small exercise balls that slid into my TikTok feed after I watched a video about exercises for rotator cuff injuries. And spookily, there's a sink tidy that was whooshed in front of my eyes after I'd been chatting about needing something that would make it easier to not put food waste down the sink. Like it or not, we're already plugged into a universal matrix where our every online action is analysed and processed. Somewhere, there's a product that might just improve our lives. This, of course, is the genial, helpful side of AI. Need a problem fixing? Google it. I bet there's a video on YouTube. Our lives are now so intertwined with the internet that it seems almost impossible that once upon a time, not that long ago, we'd have to physically go to a travel agent to arrange a stay in a hotel or, heaven forfend, pick up a telephone and get quotes for car insurance. Now the world sits, waiting for you to punch in anything that might cross your mind into a search engine. Anything you desire is a mouse click away. But is this reliance on artificial intelligence healthy or ultimately sensible? Yes, AI has made our lives easier, but at what cost? Society is entering the fourth industrial revolution with the arrival of ChatGPT, We've been warned many jobs for humans will become obsolete. Slowly but surely, we're allowing computers and algorithms to control our lives. So today on Why, we're asking, should we trust AI to run our lives? We can't ultimately let it make decisions for us without some human oversight. So it's a balance between artificial intelligence, I think, and autonomy. There's really two different things. There's a self-driving car, and then there's like, Siri in your kitchen. The level of human intervention is, you know, one of those uncertainties. Alexandra Whittington is a futurist writer and speaker who explores the future of humanity and society. 
we're in this weird symbiotic relationship with it now where we have this paradox where we think it's greater than us, but at the same time, it is us, right? It reflects ourselves back at us. It's really a technology that will shape us as we shape it more so than anything I think that human beings have experienced before. It's not electricity. It's not fire. It's really different in that sense because it gives us a mirror. I think that there are a lot of benefits of AI. And unfortunately, they don't get the hype that the sort of threats get, right? Doesn't make a great sci-fi movie, although there are some, right? There are some stories out there. Ultimately, you know, the way we adapt to new technologies and vice versa involves these stories. So I think, you know, the story of how AI improves our lives is making amazing health and medical discoveries, right? That help us live better, longer, healthier, safer. It's predicting and identifying diseases, isn't it? All kinds of things, creating drugs. Google was involved with that big chat GPT for protein folding or something very complicated that had never been sort of understood. They made this big breakthrough. So yes, it's everything from drug discovery to you know monitoring chronic conditions at home to having an AI therapist that you can talk to online. It's actually you know showing that some people are gaining benefit from that kind of thing. Is there a considerable downside? I mean, what percentage of the workforce do you think is potentially going to be harmed by the rise of more sophisticated AI? Well, you know, I kind of question the premise of that inquiry because I don't know that AI is going to harm any percentage of the workforce. And I would be really pressed to put a number on it. Basically, I think that AI is going to touch every single job in the same way that electricity, for example, touched every single part of our lives. Can electricity harm you? Yes. You can get shocked or electrocuted. You can start a fire. I mean, there's all sorts of ways electricity poses a threat of some kind. But to this point, we haven't excluded electricity from our workplace because, oh gosh, someone might spark a fire. So we need to look at it in the same way. It's something that's going to permeate our lives. And I know this sounds really, you know, like I'm making a prediction, but a lot of technology experts and futurists agree that AI is going to be a general purpose technology and it will have both good and bad effects. I did sit down and think about how many disadvantages I could think about AI because, you know, we don't want to blow smoke up AI's ass. We, we need to, <laughs> we need to, you know, properly go, now hang on AI, you might look good, you might smell good, but are you good? You know, do you taste good? And I came up with six things that I thought were potential disadvantages. Number one, it's going to make humans lazy. But is that going to be a bad thing or is it going to sort of take away the actual just the boring bits of our lives and allow us to explore things that we want to explore? Number two, is it going to be expensive to implement? Number three, well, you've sort of touched on it. Will humans lose jobs? Maybe, maybe not. How much creativity does AI have? Will it be able to understand emotions and will it be difficult to implement ethics? So those were the six things that I could think of that might be a downside to AI. Are there any of those that you can just feel confident to just strike out immediately? Well, I think the one about emotions is a stretch. And I think that it's a story, again, that the technology industry wants us to embrace, that this can ultimately maybe love us back or be a partner or be a family member. And it only knows code, right? I mean, AI is only a man-made 
social construct, really. You know, it's a technology, but all the meaning around it is something that we put on it. And technology companies have been very successful in applying sort of a human face on a lot of technologies that makes people like it more. And, you know, they do that on purpose. Things like Siri or Sophia the robot, you know, they look like us, they talk like us. So I think they'll try to entice us with the idea that an AI could understand our emotions. But I don't believe they ever will. I suppose the counterpoint is that there are often a lot of decisions that will be more easily made when you remove emotional motivators. So I suppose that we could ask AI to make those decisions for us. And that was, I suppose, make the process a lot more straightforward. But do you think we know where to draw the line with that? I mean, decision-making is one of the advantages of AI. That's one of the things it can do. Given the information, it can help people make better decisions. That is an argument for the use of AI. You know, we can't ultimately let it make decisions for us without some human oversight, I guess is what I'm getting at. There are efforts to kind of harness that and use it. So it's a balance between artificial intelligence, I think, and autonomy, right? There's really two different things. There's a self-driving car and then there's like, Siri in your kitchen or whatever, Alexa, you know, level of human intervention is, you know, one of those uncertainties. Definitely. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where AI has autonomy, that it's making decisions for itself rather than for what it's programmed to do, I suppose? I don't think so, but that is definitely one of those stories, one of those risks that it'll become sentient, that it'll achieve this singularity, overcome human intelligence and surpass. And, you know, and then, yeah, fly. unfortunately, you know, start a war, or, you know, do something, you know, make all the electricity systems break down. Yeah, that's definitely a risk. Wasn't there that story about an AI that started chatting to another AI and they quickly invented their own language so that the humans couldn't understand them. Exactly. There's all of that kind of thing where they sort of start talking to each other and they start kind of plotting against us. Mind you, I'm not an AI expert. I am a futurist, but I understand how technology permeates in society. And I study this. And at this point, AI is only about, I think, latest I've read, it's about as smart as a maybe a seven-year-old child. So we really overinflate what AI can do. So let's talk about the anxiety that exists around AI. And it sort of feels as if it comes from fearing that people are under constant surveillance. And for me, whilst I accept, you know, I'm going to get tailored adverts that are based on my interests, I'm not sure I like the thought of being quietly manipulated when it comes to the bigger stuff. And I suppose when I say the bigger stuff, I'm thinking about the things that Cambridge Analytica did during general elections in various countries and and what they may or may not have done during our Brexit campaign. But of course, the problem is, is that humans will never admit to being manipulated. But of course, humans are super easy to manipulate with like the easiest things in the world to manipulate. And is the problem with all of that more that humans are just naturally gullible saps rather than AI is a twisted genius? And what is it about AI that allows it to control human behavior? Is that programmed in? And if so, who's doing the programming? And why is that allowed? 
Well, why it's allowed is a very good question. I mean, the kind of, I think you're referring to like the algorithms that were used to manipulate voters and web users. Mm -hmm. And it's had, you know, they've had a serious amount of impact on people's mental health, right? These kind of, you know, the effect on young people, all sorts of negative effects. So I don't know how they're allowed to get away with it, but they are under, you know, tapping into human psychology, into an understanding of, I'm sure, brain science and neurology and, you know, biometrics perhaps. So the point is there are converging disciplines here. It's not just AI. It's the mix of you know, understanding human psychology, understanding how societies function and how political systems function and building that into some algorithm. So I think that, you know, the converging technologies are a factor, but it's also a great example of how technology can be used for good or for evil, because there's no reason why we couldn't use those algorithms to make people feel more positive or healthy. That's a really good point, because a lot of what was done, especially during the Brexit campaign, was people's profile data was used to target precisely what their fears were. And that is unfortunately sort of a very powerful tool that when you tap into what people are afraid of rather than what they hope for, that is more likely to sway their voting patterns. Definitely. And I think, you know, above all, it raises awareness for the fact that our data information about us in the wrong hands is very dangerous. So all in all, you know, people need to get more active and understand their data. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've interacted with an adult who really has no idea these things are happening. All these things that you're referring to that a lot of us feel like, oh, this is common knowledge. A lot of people don't know Facebook is spying on you or whatever it might be. So I think, you know, educating the public about what happens and maybe getting ideas for how people can exert more control over their data and understand how it's used. Yeah. So everyone's seen Terminator, the great dystopian film where the decision to hand over control of all weapon systems in the United States to Skynet is a hugely purposeful one. And something that at the beginning of that film, the humans in charge saw as next logical step to solve a problem. But if you're familiar with the film, which I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this is, you know that it doesn't solve anything at all and actually brings on the immediate demise of the human race. So how likely do you think it will be that robots will just decide they no longer need humans? And if they do decide that, what will they do about it? Well, I mean, in my opinion, and this is only my futurist opinion here, which it tends towards the creative and imaginary, <laughs> I honestly don't think that's ever going to happen. And you understand I'm going against the grain of most futurists who really enjoy telling this story of this AI singularity, you know, that's the next step in our evolution and just sort of, you know, the way of progress. And I really reject that view. I think that human existence, you, you know, humanity ultimately will prevail. And I really don't think that AI is something that will take over humanity. I think we are much more likely to get taken over by something biological. I mean, if you want to talk about existential risks, you know, aliens, (laughs) I mean, I think there's other things out there that pose a greater threat and AI is man-made. It is controlled by, you know, we're in this weird symbiotic relationship with it now where we have this paradox where we think it's greater than us, but at the same time, it is us, right? It reflects ourselves back at us. We're seeing that with chat GPT with all these weird hallucinations and this, you know, crazy stuff that 
people are doing on chat GPT and the cool stuff, right? And the cool stuff that people are doing, the images and all of that. So it's really a technology that will shape us as we shape it more so than anything I think that human beings have experienced before. It's not electricity. It's not fire. It's really different in that sense because it gives us a mirror. Do you think our handover of control to AI is so incremental that we might not even notice before all our control is gone? I think there may be a kernel of truth there because we have actually been interacting with AI for many years at this point. And it's something that you really don't notice. Again, like electricity, it'll just blend into the background. I mean, people have been using on the phones as autocorrect and their homes as the personal AI assistant, the GPS that gets you around a new city, right? All of these things that have AI and they involve AI. So we're already using it without thinking about it. And that's probably just going to continue to increase. We enjoy the conveniences. We don't really think, huh, how am I achieving this? Mm. It's going to creep up on us like a global mugger, isn't it? Well, you know, and that's why I think this discussion over the pause or no pause has been important, but is ultimately irrelevant. There won't be a pause. I mean, there's too much of a profit motive. So as long as people stand to make money from this kind of technology, it's not going to stop. Now, whether that's a mugger or an entrepreneur, I don't know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So AI is already fully integrated into much of our lives, but we haven't lost control yet. But I'm wondering, what's the ultimate motivation to develop AI? Well, I think that there are a number of reasons why people want to develop AI. I mean, it's, it has industrial applications. It has communication and entertainment application. I mean, it just can be used in everything. So I think that ultimately all technologies like this, new really breakthrough technologies are justified by the reasoning that they improve the human condition, right? It's a form of progress. So whatever you're using it for, whether it's education or, you know, building, you know, sewer systems, you're saying this is a step forward for us. I mean, do you think we will get to the stage where we will all have synthetic helpers or friends or even lovers and that every home will have a robot and you've got you know a robot accompanying you to the shops to carry all your bags do you think we will get to that point i think it's a definite possible future it's one that people have talked about for a long time and yeah i think for those who would like it it will be a possibility but whether or not it'll be a norm i don't know I mean, in my own personal opinion, I don't know, because I can see a lot of people wouldn't like that, right? I can see a backlash. I guess for me as a futurist, I always see how are people going to rebel against this or say, we don't like that, because there's always that faction. Change is not uniform, right? Even today, there's people who, you know, refuse to use a cell phone or a smartphone, I guess I should say, you know, I think that it will be a possibility if that's what you want. Mm. But yeah, you can see, can't you, if, if we get to that point in 100 or 200 years, 
that it will definitely, because humans are fundamentally quite awful, it will become an us versus them thing. And But then I suppose if robots don't have feelings, then there's that ethical question of whether or not it matters whether they're being treated badly. Definitely. Yeah, I think that since we tend to put a human face, like I said, on a technology, we will be sensitive to how they're treated. So again, with AI, with robotics, with a lot of these new technologies, they're reflecting us back at us. So you see bias in AI, right? Where it's like racist. I mean, this has happened. It's gender bias. It's racist. It's doing all sorts of horrible things. That's because a person taught it that. So in the future, if you see a robot that acts subservient or, you know, is poorly treated, that's a result of human systems, human culture and behavior. So I don't think it would become the norm. I think it's just sort of the way that we awkwardly learn to interact with new technologies, especially those that sort of take on a human form or personality. What would your ideal situation be for how we live with AI in, say, 100 years from now? An ideal situation to me would be that we're using AI to, or we've already used it, to kind of, you know, fix climate change, right? To solve serious problems that put us at true risk. You know, compared to AI, I think climate change is much more serious. I think some of the political instability that we're dealing with and political, let's say, polarization on the earth, that's more dangerous to me and more near term than AI as a risk. So I say we use AI to fix those things. So knowing what you know, are you remotely worried? Because at the moment, it feels a little bit like the Wild West out there. I suppose the question is, what would be crossing the ethical line for you? And at what point would you say, okay, that's too much? that's enough, pull the plug. I would say, you know, for me, I'm very concerned, like you mentioned earlier, the surveillance aspect. It's watching what we do and it understands our biometric signals. AI is being taught to smell, so to speak, like it can pick up on these molecules. You know, it's being able to really know a lot about us that we don't even understand ourselves, like being able to predict what we might do next, that whole minority report scenario. I find all of that, that's that's too much, but it's, you know, it's already happening, so... And do you think if we wanted to stop it, we could stop it? Yes, I definitely think that. I might be wrong. Again, I'm not an AI expert, but yes, I think we can stop it. You know, progress is not natural. It's not inherent. It's also new, right? Progress is not an eternal feature of human existence. So this is a 500-year-old concept that we take for granted every day. Like I said, unpacking assumptions is a big part of being a futurist. And we can't assume that progress is real, nor that it's linear. It's been around and you know what we describe and define as progress exists, but is it progress? We can't really determine that yet. The ideal use for AI should be for tasks that are dangerous or put humans at risk. And let's not forget, AI is hugely useful. It can process more data than our human brains could ever handle. AI could and can be used to filter out the deep fakes and nefarious misinformation. We just need the billionaires to fund it for the betterment of mankind rather than profit for the few. That's all from us today on Why. Thank you to Alexandra Whittington. Thanks, Emma. 
We'll be back with more scientific anomalies, conundrums and weird facts soon. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you don't miss an edition and follow us on social media too. Links are in the show notes. I've been Emma Kennedy asking... Why? See you next time. Why was written and presented by Emma Kennedy. The lead producer was Anne-Marie Luff. And the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. And the group editor is Andrew Harrison. Artwork is by James Parrott. Theme music is by DJ Food. Why is a Podmasters production. Podmasters.